Welcome to the Possibility of Today radio show. This weekly series mixes entertainment with inspiration and information to help you learn how to live in a different way and take advantage of all the possibilities of today. Do you want to find the way to your something more and live life to the fullest? Then you're in the right place. Host Sybil Shavis will guide you through an exciting journey of self-discovery and transformation so you can be entertained, be inspired, and be informed. Now here's Sybil. Have you noticed how common relationship issues are today? Maybe you have a friend that's having relationship issues or maybe you even have them yourself. It really seems to be pretty common these days. And a lot of times it seems to be the case that you have one person in the relationship that seems to be carrying the heavier load. Have you noticed that? Like They've really done all that they can think of to strengthen the relationship whether it be counseling or working through issues or really trying to be patient with their partner and open-minded. However, a lot of times, you know, it seems that people feel, despite their best efforts, that they just are continually running into problem after problem in their relationship. And that becomes frustrating and challenging because they feel that, you know, either their partner doesn't want help or they don't think they really need it. And it's like, I'm doing everything I can here, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. And then what can happen a lot of times is people and couples really do start feeling like they're growing apart. And you know, essentially, they start leading separate lives. Actually, to that point, a recent poll that was just shared on Oprah's Life Class showed that 60% of people feel like the spark is gone in their relationships and their partner is more like a roommate. So Dr. Chapman says the number one thing he hears from couples on the brink is that the spark is gone and they feel like roommates. A few days ago, we took a poll on Facebook and Oprah.com asking, how many of you feel more like roommates than a married couple? Here are the results. 60% feel like they are living as roommates. 60% of people feel this way. I mean, that is a lot. And the reality is not only do they feel like their partner has turned into a roommate, they also don't really feel like they get along all that well with that roommate. And so that raises the million-dollar question, doesn't it? What on earth can you do today if you are in a relationship that has some or all of these issues that seem to be commonly popping up in many relationships? Well, that's exactly what we're talking about today, because if you've ever had issues in your relationship, then you probably also know how frustrating and tiring it can be to have continual issues. And even if you think you're not bothered by the incidents or issues that arise from time to time in your relationship, the reality is, is that they have a tendency to weigh us down and at the very least be a distraction from the other things, you know, that we're working on accomplishing or they interfere with our mindset and just how we feel as we move through the day. And here's the deal. I mean, wouldn't you agree that we don't want to go one more day having unnecessary relationship issues? I mean, especially the ones that are going to just linger around and weigh us down. I mean, it's almost in many cases like having an ankle weight that's just continually draining our good energy. It brings to mind this quote by Emerson, 
For every minute you are angry or bothered or distracted, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. And the truth is that we don't want to go one more day, really even one more minute, as Emerson says, with any of this negativity around us that can stem from relationship issues. It's just not worth it. And what I realized is that it gets in the way of our good energy and the feelings and the good things that we're trying to create and make happen in our life. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Let's say your partner does something that's totally rude or inappropriate and you have a fight. So then what happens, right? You go through the day and honestly, every time you think about what happened, you have to admit that it bothers you or at the very least annoys you, doesn't it? I mean, maybe not even a lot, but at the very least, you can feel some signs of annoyance in the background as you're moving through your day, really trying to get on with your day and do other things. And even if you think that this isn't taking up space in your mind or affecting you, what I realized is that the majority of the time, it is, no matter how much we want to think that it's not. So I've found some solutions that are a different way of handling and getting rid of relationship issues and are mostly focused on making sure you feel good and centered and have a good peace of mind. And that's what we're going to get in today. And just to continue down this line of how common relationship issues are, I'm sure you've heard, of course, the statistic that is always being thrown around that the divorce rate is currently over 40%. But I also came across some more data, and this is actually the result of a study that was done by the University of Washington. And it found that 73% of people in a relationship, 73% say they fantasize about leaving their partner either all of the time or some of the time. 73%. So if you fall into this 73% of people, that has had a thought about leaving your partner, you understand after hearing this number that you are absolutely not alone. And as we were talking about earlier, there really are just a lot of people, a lot of couples living what people refer to as these separate or parallel lives. And in these relationships, although they're still together, in many ways, they really are just roommates living side by side. John Gottman, who's actually a professor from the University of Washington, did this huge study on relationships. John Gottman explained that he was having his personal relationship issues and wanted to figure out exactly what was going on. Listen to how he describes the research he did. 35 years ago, I, I started doing some research with uh, my best friend, Bob Levinson. Bob and I got together because our relationships with women weren't working very well. And uh, we started doing research by uh, building a laboratory where couples could come at the end of the day and just talk about how their day went after they'd been apart for about eight hours. So as couples talked to each other, we were measuring simultaneously their heart rates, uh, their blood velocity to various parts of their body, how much they were sweating from the palms of their hands. And we even put a little uh, meter under their chairs called the jigglometer. And so John Gottman and his research partner really took a closer look at couples that either stayed together and were happy, stayed together and weren't happy, or just broke up altogether. And they were able to predict with 90% accuracy all of the things that would happen throughout the course of the relationship. Trying to 
look at the masters of relationships, the ones, you know, who really stayed together, didn't get divorced, and were pretty happy, more or less. And the disasters of relationships, the ones that broke apart, and uh, the ones that stayed together and were unhappy as well. And, uh, and we found to our great surprise that we could predict as we followed couples over many, many years um, with over 90% accuracy what would happen to a marriage by just observing couples in our, in our laboratory. And the information that they gathered is just really, really interesting and helpful, and we're going to get into all of it. But continuing down the line that we've been talking about, about the 60% of people that feel like they're leading these separate lives, they found some really interesting information on exactly how that happens and can continually just become a downward spiral. Uh, Relationships that stay together and remain unhappy are very similar to ones that uh, break up. Uh, They're just a little bit less intense. So they're quantitatively different, but not qualitatively different. So people who stay together and are are unhappy uh, eventually lead parallel lives, and they go down this cascade of distance and isolation that we can describe very well. And eventually they're really living in parallel, but they're not very connected and very lonely. And so that is a common issue that we're seeing all the time in relationships. And another common sentiment is just that one person feels their partner is not supportive or loving. I just wanted somebody to like me. That's all I wanted. To sit near me or not have mean things to say. I wanted to have somebody to share my life with, share my joys with, share my hobbies with, to be my friend, to be my lover, to share everything. And uh, that didn't happen. And so, again, it raises the question, you know, what can you do today if you're in a relationship that is experiencing some or all of these common issues? Or if you know somebody who is looking for a solution because their relationship is in this downward spiral, people feel like they really have tried everything. And I really wanted to discuss this today because I've got somewhat of a different opinion. And it's probably not something that you traditionally hear when people are giving you advice on fixing your relationship. But I've personally tested this out in my own life with my own relationship. And it's worked amazingly and it continues to work. And just to give you some background on me in case you haven't heard it before, you know, I am married. I've been with my husband for 15 years, dating for five, married for 10 We've got two children, and of course, as all women know, not only do you live your relationship, if you have close girlfriends, you live their relationships with them or by their side. Because let's just say that we as women have a tendency to talk about our relationships with each other. So if you add all that up for me and include all my close friends and their relationships, and Also, actually, in a prior career, I worked for a decade in human resources. So I have seen just about everything. In fact, the idea for this show came to my mind because I'm currently helping one of my friends work through some relationship issues that she's got going on. And she definitely falls into that statistic of the 73% of people that have thought about leaving their relationship. And she also falls into the 
60% statistic of people that feel that their relationship is really growing apart and essentially they're leading separate lives. And so as I was telling her, here's the deal. When it comes to your relationship, I have learned that your first priority needs to be to start focusing on doing things that are going to make you personally feel better. I'm not saying that your partner doesn't matter or that working through your relationship issues isn't valuable. We're going to get into all of that later and some insights from Gottman's research and also some other experts in human behavior and relationships that I was able to interview. But when it comes to your relationship, or honestly anything for that matter, nothing is more important than how we feel and how we experience every moment. And I think everything can just flow from there. And so often when people have relationship issues, they spend so much of their energy focused on their partner. Why is he so mean? Why does she pick at me? Why did he make that decision? Why is he always irrational? And of course, the question I think many of us have asked ourselves at one point or another, is my partner ever going to change in the way that they need to so that we can have a healthier relationship? And as I'm sure is not going to come as a surprise, you can't fix your partner or change your partner. Only your partner can decide that they want to fix and change themselves. But what we can control is ourselves and how we feel and the absolute first thing that we always want to do is make sure that we're being good to ourselves and doing the things that allow our good energy to flow as we move through the day, doing things that we're passionate about, things that stimulate us, following our dreams, or just doing things that we've always wanted to accomplish that are really important to us. All of that stuff just gets our good energy flowing. And it's so easy to fall into the trap of only focusing on your issues. And you say to yourself, you know, this is just not the time for me to start working on something or to start a new project because I'm just not in the right mindset. The reality is, though, that it's the opposite. And when you're feeling drained or just uninspired or you're just tired of fighting and having relationship issues, a great way to replenish your energy is to get your passion and inspiration flowing again. And when we start focusing on the things that we're passionate about, that means something to us, that naturally happens. So that's why I say 80% of your attention should be on yourself and making sure you are protecting your own peace of mind. Making time in the day to do things that you enjoy and just really focusing on yourself and keeping your good energy flowing. And then the other 20% can be working on your partner or your relationship. Because the reality is, is that when you're feeling good and when you're feeling inspired by the things that you're doing in your life, that's going to naturally flow into your relationship anyway. It's going to positively impact it. And all of your good energy will spill over into your relationship. Actually, to that point, Dr. Gary Chapman, who is an expert on relationships, he wrote the best-selling book, The Five Love Languages. Well, he talks about the importance of having your love tank full. Listen to how he described this on an episode of Oprah's Life Class. I just use the love tank as a picture, you know, the gasoline tank in the car. If it's empty, the car is not going to move. And the same thing is true. And I like to picture inside of us, there's an emotional love tank. If the tank is full, that is, we genuinely feel loved, then life is beautiful. 
if the love tank is empty and we don't feel loved, uh, life begins to look pretty dark and the differences get bigger. And it's easy to fall in the trap of assuming that you need somebody else to fill up your love tank. But the reality is, is that you are the best person to keep this tank full and to fill it up anytime you notice that it needs to be filled some more. Because our personal happiness can't be dependent and it's not dependent on the other people or the things that are happening around us. And I think it's really important that we make ourselves aware of this because it's easy to assume that we are dependent on somebody else or somebody else filling our tank. And we've actually talked about this before, if you remember, because although Dr. Chapman calls it this love tank, you know, I've always described it as a spiral. And like all the other spirals in our life, it's a possibility spiral in that the possibility exists for you to be functioning and moving through the day at the top part of the spiral and feeling good and having your energy flowing from there. But you've got to choose to be aware of it and then to make any adjustments if you notice something is off. So this is how it works. Like imagine a huge spiral staircase in your mind. And if you climb all the stairs and reach the top, you know, that's when you feel your best, you're happy, things just feel good, you have the right perspective, your tank is full. Now imagine though that you get into an argument as you're moving through the day with your husband or someone does something that bothers you, your mood can easily move down this spiral. You know, your tank can empty out a little, but if you're aware that you're moving in the wrong direction and you've taken steps down the spiral and you're also aware that you're the absolute best and honestly only person that can take the necessary steps back up the spiral to the point where you're feeling good and all your positive energy is flowing again, then you're really in a position, right? where the things that are happening around you, even the things your partner is or isn't doing, can't ever take you down the spiral too far. I mean, and realizing this was just life-changing for me because it changed how I experienced everything because I realized I was in control of how I felt. Listen to how Kira Sherman explains it. I actually had an opportunity to interview Kira who is this amazing intuitive speaker, coach, a writer, and she actually founded The Revolution of Self. And you know those people that you just speak to that are totally dripping in wisdom? A lot of people call them old souls. Well, that is Kira in a nutshell. And she focuses on showing people exactly how to live authentically and to feel more alive. Listen to what Kira shared on finding everything that you're looking for within. It's amazingly profound. Check it out. I mean, I think the first thing is, is this does really, again, go back to like, you know, when I'm bringing the focus and attention on myself and what I love, I'm not depending on somebody else to give me anything. The relationship, the job, the whatever it is, it's like, you're not going to find it there. You know, you want to feel love. You got to find it inside of yourself. And I think what Kira says is so true because we think that we are finding and we have everything that we need within, but it's still in many instances is easy to fall into that trap where we're looking 
at the people around us or the things that are happening to make us happy and to make us feel loved. And as Kira was explaining, the first and only place that we ever need to be dependent on is ourselves. There's actually this great quote by Maya Angelou that says, nothing will work unless you do. And if you think about that, right? I mean, it really is so true. And that was the conversation my friend and I were having because something would happen and she and her husband would end up getting into an argument or he would say something that was rude and she'd slide down the spiral and she'd feel off the entire day. And of course, sometimes even for the following two or three days. And so we were talking and I'm like, look, from here on out, you can't be dependent on what he's saying to determine how you feel. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that that's easier said than done. But what I've learned is that we can actually have a strategy and a mechanism in place, if you will, that once we realize, okay, you know what, something's happened, I'm moving the wrong way down the spiral, these are the things that I'm going to specifically do and focus my attention on. So my friend put together, you know, her list of things. I definitely have my list of things and I recommend everyone has this. It's, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it's kind of hard to just say, okay, now let me go do this. But when you have it written down on paper and you know, like, okay, let me look at this piece of paper. These are the two or three things that I'm going to do. It just kind of starts triggering things and gets you focused on the right things much sooner. So she put on her list, you know, like reading and writing and doing yoga. And she also wants to work on finding a career that she can do full time. You know, she's very inspired by her work. So that's where she decided to put her attention. And the important thing is just to realize that we don't have to be dependent on our relationship or what our partner is saying to feel inspired or to feel good. And again, it's not to say that your relationship or the other things in your life shouldn't add to your enjoyment, your inspiration, your fulfillment, etc. It's just recognizing that those things are all just additions because you are controlling the foundation and making sure that it's good and in place and all of those other things are just additional benefits on top of that. And that's why if you want to improve or just make your relationship better or just make certain it takes a step forward, the place to begin is with yourself and using 80% of your attention and energy and effort to focus on yourself and feeling good and feeling inspired. Kira actually shared something else that I thought was really helpful because she said that you should focus on being the person that essentially you want to be with. Now, of course, that's not to say that you don't already have strengths and you're not already doing everything that you should be doing in your relationship. It's just saying that you can enhance those traits and things that you're looking for in someone else. And by focusing on strengthening them in yourself, you'll really be able to see how that just gets more and more things flowing. Listen to what Kira said. Be the, the person that you want to bring into your life. Start, start being the inspired person that you want to be because if you're looking to, to be in a relationship with somebody, you're going to want to be in a relationship with somebody who I would imagine is going to be in, inspiring as well. And that's why we've been discussing when it comes to your relationship, 
your best and first step is to turn your attention to yourself. So right now or later on today, you know, grab a piece of paper and take the time to really think about and write down those things that you know you enjoy and that make you feel inspired. And then of course, you're going to want to make sure you're doing those things every day and making the space and the time in your day to focus on yourself and to focus on how you're feeling and to make sure you're bringing your highest and best self to every interaction and everything is flowing from how good you feel and how inspired you feel. And now that we focused on the most important person, you, and how to keep your tank full and make certain that you are functioning at the right part of the spiral as you move through the day, after the break, we're going to talk about the specific things that you can do to improve your relationship, to work directly on that, you know, where you can put the remaining 20% of your attention and efforts. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Possibility of Today on webtalkradio.net. And we've been talking all about relationships. And specifically, we were focused earlier on you and your happiness because that really is essential. And how you feel every single moment of the day is not only really important, but it's tied to everything positive that you want flowing in your life. And when you're happy, of course, that energy naturally flows into your relationship and your partner will be able to feel that and that positively even impacts your partner's actions and behaviors, even if they don't realize it. And with respect to my friend and the things that you know she's been trying to manage through with her relationship, one of the things that she shared with me that she realized was that she really wasn't always bringing the right outlook and energy to situations and interactions with her husband because honestly she had a lot of pain and that's understandable. There's just a lot of anger that was kind of coloring the situation. And that's, I mean, really just drives home the point why I'm such a believer in starting with yourself and making sure that, you know, the majority of your attention, that 80%, is on you and feeling good and feeling inspired and staying centered. But I do believe that if we want it, we should be able to have a relationship where we are able to share our dreams and feelings and know that we have the support and the love that we want out of our relationship. Wouldn't you agree with that? I just don't think it's too much for us to ask. And it's interesting because a lot of people focus on the fact that they've lost that spark, you know, and they just no longer enjoy their relationship. They don't enjoy spending time with their partner. I mean, you hear people say all the time that my relationship just doesn't make me happy. And I can't remember the last time I really, truly enjoyed it. But you know what I learned? Enjoyment is only one of the three things to expect out of our relationships. I mean, obviously, It's important that we enjoy our relationship and our relationship should add to our already existing happiness, but there's just more to the picture because relationships aren't just exclusively for our enjoyment and making us feel happier. If we use them in the right way and we work at them and of course set them up for continual growth, then our relationship should also be a strong support network like 
we should be able to feel like we can count on our partner to support us, to support our dreams and to support us accomplishing the things that are really important to us, essentially to be that really strong support network. And our relationship should also provide us with some of the best pointers in the right direction of who we really are. Like they should help us enhance our strengths and grow in areas or ways where we may realize that we need some more growth. And then that, of course, ends up benefiting us, not only in our relationship, but also with respect to the things that are important to us that we want to accomplish for our life. I know personally, I can admit that I needed to become more patient and tolerant and honestly have some of my quote unquote rough edges rounded out and really learn how to communicate with other people, you know, in an effective way. And honestly, I got to practice that with my husband and it ended up benefiting me in so many ways. In addition to, of course, the benefits in my relationship, because even when it came to my career and the things that I was working to accomplish, because I had really strengthened that skill set of effective communication and I was just so much better able to communicate my ideas and my thoughts with people, I was able to then translate that literally to what I was working on and get buy-in from other people. I mean, it was really just a skill that although I didn't realize I was developing and strengthening at the time because I thought I was just doing it for my relationship, it ended up just being so much more beneficial than I had ever imagined. And that really is what I learned, one of the major benefits of using your relationship as a tool for your own personal growth. And one of the issues with not recognizing all three of these ways that your relationship can and should honestly be adding value to your life is that it's easy to fall in the trap of just noticing that that enjoyment area is off and how you're not getting along with your partner and then you only work on that area. And I've seen this happen a lot in relationships and it can lead to a lot of frustration and disappointment because people realize their relationship's not working and they're like, okay, what can I do to focus on that and to get things moving again and to get us enjoying each other? And then it may even be the case that, you know, couples make great strides and they are able to really up that enjoyment factor of their relationship because they start spending more time together. They start doing things together. But then another issue just creeps up, an issue that has nothing to do with spending quality time together or enjoyment, but maybe something like, you know, your partner not supporting you or standing up for you or your partner is not valuing the things that are really important to you. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the result is that these other issues that then creep up throw off the entire relationship all over again. And of course, then enjoyment and the things that you had worked out start taking a nosedive and it feels like you're just really not going to ever be able to work out the issues in your relationship because it's like the same continual problems just creeping up day after day and year after year. It's what I call an infinite loop where a lot of times unknowingly we repeat the same patterns in our life that aren't working or getting us the results that we really want. And of course, as we've been talking about this entire time, when it comes to our relationships, we want them fully functioning in all three 
of these areas. Like we want to break out of any infinite loops we may have accidentally fallen into because we're very aware of what happens. Relationships don't function. And when your relationship is off, right, it's not something you want to sit on or take lightly for even one moment. You've got to find a way to turn things around as soon as possible before things really get out of control and the negative effects start accumulating and working against you more and more. Because you want to know something else I realized? Either our relationship is growing in the right way or it's going in the wrong direction. And if it's going in the wrong direction, every day that we just sit on it and tolerate the issues or decide it is what it is, is another day that we can slip in the direction that we absolutely don't want to go and set ourselves up for results that we clearly don't want. Actually, to that point, a dysfunctional relationship that we are all very aware of right now. I mean, so aware of it that I couldn't help but to mention it because we've been seeing it play out for years. And that relationship is Congress. I mean, wouldn't you agree that that is such a dysfunctional relationship at this point? Because even though that's Congress and it's a different situation, it's an example of what can happen when relationships really aren't functioning. I mean, regardless of what side of the aisle you fall on, it's clearly just not functioning the way that it should be. I saw a poll the other day that showed Congress had an approval rating of 5%. 5%. Listen to this clip from the news. About 7 in 10 Americans say that it's a major problem for the country that the federal government has shut down. Only 5% in the poll say they approve of how Congress is handling its job. But it gets even worse. That poll has an error rate of 6%. So that means it's possible that Congress's real approval is literally zero. That's crazy, right? And their inability to function clearly isn't happening in a vacuum. I mean, it's it's having a domino effect across the nation. And we saw that their inability led to a government shutdown for 16 days. 350,000 federal workers that were furloughed, canceled military training sessions. Many people are even suggesting that it potentially slowed our economic growth. And it's even affecting things that, you know, we may not have ordinarily thought about because all of these federal agencies have shut down their websites. In fact, when I was putting together this show this week and pulling statistics and all the data that I usually pull, there were times I couldn't access certain data because it was on a government site. I mean, isn't that crazy? And anyway, I say all of that because a lot of times it's easier to see lessons and things when you look at other situations. And clearly when you look at Congress and how bad the effects have been from that dysfunctional relationship. It's an example of what can happen when relationships really aren't functioning. And I know a lot of people will say, of course my relationship should be functioning and have all of those benefits that we were talking about earlier. But a lot of times people feel like that's a far-fetched dream at this point in their relationship, especially if they're not getting along with their partner, let alone feeling that their partner supports them and can help them learn things about themselves. But here's the deal. All the things that you know should be a part of your relationship and should be happening in your relationship, this is what I realized. They're not going to just happen automatically. 
we have to set our relationships up to function so that they provide these benefits. And if you're thinking right now, yeah, that's all great, but honestly, I've done everything, I get that because it can be really frustrating and tiring to continually experience the same issues in your relationship, especially if you've been investing a lot in trying to fix them. But if I can remind you of a couple of things, because this is exactly what my friend and I were talking about and what I reminded her of too. The first reason why this is going to be different is because we're doing it differently this time and we're starting with you. The majority of your energy and efforts, at least 80%, it's all going to be focused on you and how you're feeling and making sure that you're taking the time that you need so that you're feeling good as you move through the day and you're doing good things for yourself. And what I noticed was it wasn't until I was intentionally focused on making certain I felt good and doing things, you know, investing 80% of my attention and energy towards those things that I knew were going to inspire me and keep me at the right point on my spiral. It wasn't until I was very intentional about it that it was happening every single day. And now that's exactly what you have the opportunity to do as well. And you'll know that you're going to get this amazing positive spillover effect into your relationship. And most importantly, into how you feel as you're moving through the day. And your partner's behaviors aren't going to affect you or your mood nearly as much as they used to. So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And another thing to realize that I was talking to my friend about is that if you're at the point and she is, where she's decided to stay in her relationship for the time being. And I said, even if you feel like at some point in the future, that could change. Today, you know that you're staying in this relationship. And so you have to start doing this 80-20 approach because you don't want to put yourself in a position where your positive energy is continually getting drained for even one more day. Like It just doesn't feel great to feel tired and uninspired and to just continually have these relationship issues working against you. And the reality is that our relationships aren't going to just perfectly fall into place. There are things that we have to do and be really intentional about doing. Actually, to that point, Dr. Gary Chapman, who we heard from earlier, the author of the best-selling book, Five Love Languages, he explained that a common misunderstanding is that people aren't realizing that they do have to change their approach in relationships over time because it's normal for a relationship to come off the quote-unquote high that it started on. Listen to how Dr. Chapman explains it. But if we can understand going in that there are two stages to romantic love. There's the in love experience, and then there's Which the one- Which is euphoric. Euphoric. Then there's no. the one that's far, yes. <laughs> far more intentional. Yes. And we have to learn how to communicate love. But the need is still there, and the ability is still there if we get the information on what makes them feel love. I thought that was so key because I know so many people think when they go into what they call the roommate stage, or we're not communicating, or he used to do, or we used to go to these places, and you used to be so, that they think that that means you've lost it. And you're saying you haven't lost it. You're just making a transition into the next phase. 
as that excerpt just explained, it's just about recognizing, right, that you do have to transition your relationship into the next phase and there's nothing wrong with it. It just means that you just want to be a little more intentional about things and make certain that you are setting your relationship up to succeed, you know, as it matures and evolves and changes. As we were talking about, one of the areas that has a tendency to get overlooked really is this importance of, you know, sharing your dreams with your partner and having these high level substantive conversations about the things that just are really important to you. Of course, a lot of people are just not having these types of conversations with their partner and they'll say, yeah, you know, it's just not something we talk about or at this point it would be so bizarre to introduce those conversations into our relationship because we've been focused on just <laughs> trying to get along. But the reality is, is that it really is imperative and that's what I learned. It's how you open the lines of communication in your relationship to create this strong port network so that your partner knows what you want and knows what's important to you and knows what you're working toward. And a lot of times it allows your partner to really buy in and invest in what you're doing. And of course, this is one of those instances where asking these types of questions is most likely or potentially not going to happen automatically. And that's really why you have to set your relationship up so that this does become a part of your routine, you know, your weekly routine. Actually, to that point, listen to the story Dr. Gahneman shared about the advice he gave to the marketing director of his book who was trying to decide how much money to invest in his book. At the time, Dr. Gahneman thought he was asking him a question to test his knowledge on the topic, but he really was asking this question to Dr. Gottman because he wanted to improve his own relationship and listen to the advice that Dr. Gottman gave him. And I was asked this question by the marketing director of uh, Random House uh, when he was trying to decide whether to put any money in marketing my book. Uh, he said, can you tell me in just uh, 30 seconds what I should do to make my marriage better? And I said, I think the most important thing you can do is to know and honor your wife's dreams. And he got up and left the room. And it turned out he went back home to Brooklyn on the subway, and his wife thought he'd gotten fired. And he said, she said, what are you doing here? And did you get fired? And he said, no, I, I want to know what your dreams are. And uh, this guy Ross told me this later, and he said, her answer was, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> so that would be the one thing, I, th I think, if I was going to pick one thing, is to really ask these open-ended questions that are very, very deep and I think very respectful. You know, and as Dr. Gottman was saying, you know, these really are the open-ended conversations that you want to have with your partner regularly, you know, at least I would say once a month. My husband and I, when we first got married, had this thing that we called talk night. And at least once a week, you know, usually like on Tuesdays or Wednesdays after work, we would grab a glass of wine and we would have these types of open-end conversations. And honestly, at the time, didn't even realize how important it was that we were having these conversations. It was just another couple that had been married for a long time had recommended, you know, when you guys get married, just make certain that, you know, you're touching base and having talk night once a week and talking about things that you may not otherwise have a tendency to talk about. And what's really interesting is that after a while, this just became the nature of the way that we communicated with each other. And of course, in the beginning, you know, it was a little odd to have these conversations, you know, 
every week. But once we kind of got in the routine, they just became a part of, you know, our communication. And now it's just really a regular part of the things that we are talking about consistently and continually. So I would say that that's something that you definitely want to do and you can do it today. And I know for some people, they're going to say, you know, this isn't something that's going to just be really easy for me to do because (laughs) my partner is going to look at me like I'm crazy. We've just never had these types of conversations or they're not going to respond. And I would say this, I mean, obviously, you know, your partner best, but you know, now that you know how to fill up your tank and where you need to be on your spiral, if you bring that energy and then you also bring sincere curiosity and your partner can see that you're really interested in what their answer is. And even if you maybe answer the question first, you know, just to get things going, I think that that really will start opening up the lines of communication. And the point is, just like we saw in that story with the head of marketing from Random House, like you may have to kind of do things that are just not standard or a little out of your comfort zone. But as Dr. Gottman was explaining, there really are a lot of benefits that come from doing this and having these types of conversations. And the next area that is also really important is making sure that your relationship is set up to be a tool for you to use to enhance your strengths and to also honestly identify the areas where you can grow personally and be so much better off for it. Because a lot of times we're so focused on our partner's issues and the things that they're working on fixing that it's easy to overlook the reality that our relationship and the issues that are coming up are also showing us ways that we can grow personally and improve. Now, that's not to say that your fights or disagreements with your partner aren't primarily caused by them. I mean, let's even say that 99.9% of your relationship issues are because of issues your partner has. Well, guess what? That 0.1% that may be something that you're doing is valuable to you. Even if it is only 0.1% of your fault, the reality is is that there is something in that 0.1% that you're meant to know and understand more about yourself. And honestly, this isn't just a touchy-feely thing because that 0.1% in one way or another is going to help you grow and get more and more of the things that are really important to you in life. You know, that's exactly how it worked for me. And every single thing I noticed about myself, I needed to improve. And these were the things that I specifically learned from my relationship. When I fixed them and put attention on growing in the areas that I knew I needed to grow in, it ended up benefiting me tenfold in the things that I was really working to accomplish and that were important to me and even my career like we were talking about earlier. And that's why you really want to make certain that you're taking the time to turn the lens on yourself and, you know, make certain that you are getting all of the nuggets of insight that are there for you that you need. For example, like if I'm having a conversation with my husband and I start feeling myself like getting a little worked up or reacting, I'm like, okay, why am I feeling like this? Why am I not being my highest and best self right now? You know, why am I not being patient? And then when I identify, okay, this may be what's going on and I 
just kind of think about it and reflect on what happened, I realized, oh, this is what I need to to kind of pay attention to in myself. And I start doing whatever I need to in order to fix it. I mean, I usually start reading books or articles or just any kind of information that is going to help me get to where I need to be. And that honestly is how I am continually using my relationship to grow. And it just continues to work. And the final area that I just think is really important to talk about So Dr. Gottman's research actually spoke specifically to this because he, as you know, did this analysis on all of these couples for decades and really just watched them throughout various stages of their life. And he calls them either the masters of relationships or the disaster relationships. And he said that they could literally observe techniques and styles and the way that couples were having conversations in the very beginning of the conversation and predict if the conflict would be resolved by the end, just based on the style and what the couple was saying to each other early on in the conversation. Listen to how Dr. Gottman explained it. So we found an enormous amount of predictability so that even from the first three minutes of our conflict discussion a couple is having, we can predict... 96% of the time, how the entire conversation will go. And as Dr. Gottman also explained, their goal was to see if they could find patterns that essentially separated the masters from the disasters so that they could help people really understand the right way to communicate their issues and resolve conflict. And so John Gottman shared this funny story from the time he was in grad school and There was the study that was done where couples were expressing their feelings verbally and then they would hit their partner with this foam rubber bat. And this research showed exactly how anger and resentment does absolutely nothing for positive discussions. Listen to how John Gottman explained it. It was written by a guy named George Bach. So we had uh, partners face one another and take turns telling one another what they resented about each other. And he even designed these foam rubber bats that he manufactured called batakas. And they would take turns whacking each other with one of the bats. I really resent you didn't take out the garbage. Whack. And then I really resent that we don't have sex anymore. Whack. And they go back and forth. And that was kind of the state of the art when I was in graduate school. Uh, And after hundreds of research studies, we've now learned that When you do that, people leave more resentful than when they came in. There is no catharsis effect for anger and resentment. And so what Dr. Gottman was sharing is, you know, not that you can't have these real serious conversations about things that need to be worked on in your relationship or things that, you know, you want to point out to your partner. It's really almost like a matter of style and as he said, you know, trying to be as gentle and really non-accusatory as possible when you're having these conversations. And basically what Bob and I found was that the masters were really very gentle with one another, even when they raised an issue. They raised it as if it was kind of an invisible soccer ball that they were kicking around together. They took responsibility for even a small part of the problem. Uh, Whereas the disasters really pointed their finger at their partner and were critical, and their attitude was 
that they were kind of diagnosing their partner's personality defects. And they wanted to be really appreciated for that by their partner. And, <laughs> and they were hoping that their partner would respond by saying, thank you for pointing out all the ways in which I am failing as a human being. Can we have lunch next Tuesday so we can talk about this some more? You are such a wise person, you know. Thank you so much. And I think this story points to a very easy trap to fall into. At least I know I used to definitely fall into it all the time because the reality is that we do know our partner really well. And as a result, we probably are very well aware of all the ways we think they need to improve. But as this study showed, we have to be really careful about continually dissecting our partner and analyzing their issues and proving the ways that they're falling short. And again, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't discuss our concerns and the real issues that we have with our partner. It's just realizing there's a way and it needs to be done in a thoughtful and a more sensitive way in order for it to truly be effective. And I want you to hear what Kira shared on this topic as well. Kira was the intuitive coach, speaker, and writer that we heard from earlier because she showed exactly how you do this, you know, when you are having these tougher conversations. Kira was actually sharing a story about a conversation that she had to have with her dad who had an addiction problem, and she just really wanted to encourage him to get help. Listen to what Kira shared. So I really softened with myself and and I, and I realized, you know, I was scared for him. Right. I was really afraid for him. And, and so I said that to him. I said, you know, I'm, I feel helpless because I want to be able to help you. But you're so angry. And, and he reacted in a huge way. He was yelling at me in this car basically telling me like he couldn't care less if the entire world like disowned him basically, you know, and like, and it took a lot for me, you know, coming from, from the place that we did over our lifetime of, you know, experiencing things where, you know, he had abandoned me and rejected me. And so like, I could have totally shut down. And you know what? I didn't. I just, I just kept opening my heart through everything that he said. And some of what he said was heartbreaking, you know, like some of it was rubbing up against my own judgments in terms of like, you know, what this world is about and suffering and how he's had this hard life. And, and he has, he's had situations happen to him that I swear to you, Sybil, no human being should ever have to experience, you know? So I have a real compassion for him in terms of, you know, I, I, what, what he's been through makes me feel something, you know, there's a sensitivity there. And so, mm-hmm. so I stayed open and I said to him, you know, and this is, this is what has, this is how love transforms everything. Because with love, I said, you know what, dad, I, I get all that. And I know that it's, you know, that you haven't had it easy. Um, you know, and he said, well, you know, and I know my choices haven't always been whatever. And, but, you know, he had a, he has a real chip on his shoulder about things and, and about that. And, and I could have, I could have gone spiritual on him and said, you know, well, you just, you know, you need to accept this or you need to take responsibility for your life and, you know, tell him all the wisdom that I knew, but I didn't do that. I said, you know, I know you love me 
and I know you love your wife, and I know you love my brother, and I know how gentle-hearted you are, and I know down to the bottom of my heart that there's nothing more important to you than your family. So you can say whatever it is that you want, but you're breaking apart your family right now, and I know that that's most important to you. So I think you should really get some help. And he softened immediately and said, yeah, you're, you're right. And I will take that into consideration. And later that night when he dropped me off at the airport, he said, thank you so much for what you said today. And I just thought that was, you know, such an amazing example of exactly how we're supposed to handle these situations. And thank you so much to Kira for sharing that story and, and all the wisdom and insights that she shared on today's show. You can actually find Kira at revolutionofself.com. I will have the link to her website. I really recommend that you drop by her page and check it out. She has so many cool things going on there. And she actually has this great free 30-day revolution of self program going on right now. And it's really cool. So drop by, check it out. And again, I'll have the link on the show page for this show. So you know exactly where to find Kira. And again, you know, the way that we saw Kira handle that situation and that conversation is exactly the way, you know, we want to make certain we are handling those really serious conversations that we're having. It's not that we sweep the issues under the rug or pretend like they don't exist. I mean, you have to address these real issues, but there's a way to go about it. And there's a way to have a certain sensitivity chip. And as Kira said, to use love to really accomplish ultimately what you're trying to do anyway. And that's just to have a conversation and points of understanding with whoever it is you're talking with. And I mean, of course, it's not always easy to do that and to bring that to the conversation, especially when the person you're speaking to is behaving badly. I mean, you heard Kira even explain how hard it was for her and she's this intuitive coach and an expert, honestly, when it comes to having conversations like this. And the last thing that I wanted you to hear was actually this clip that I came across with Chelsea Handler. If you haven't heard of Chelsea Handler, she's actually this famous comedian and she's got this big show on TV right now. She was sharing what she thought was one of the best pieces of advice that she received about her relationship and how, again, as Kira was talking about, you really push yourself to bring love, to kind of transform and soften these conversations that could otherwise literally just explode. Listen to what Chelsea shared on an episode of Next Chapter with Oprah. I got a really good piece of advice. She said, anytime you feel like hitting them or you're mad, just do the exact opposite. We just love at them, just kiss on them, and just when there's something brewing, just do whatever you want to do. If you want to hit and yell and scream, even if you're mad at them, in that moment, just hug them and love them and kiss them. And then that air is taken out of that situation, and then the next day, 
you can talk about the situation in a normal, calm fashion. That's good. And that's helped me. Have you been able to do it? Because yes. if you're in the heat of anger, it's, it's not hard easy to, to do. I was all say, the time. That's hard to love on when it's, you're really. It's not easy to do, but I've tried it, and it has. It, it does work. It does work. You know, I am. I have such a short fuse when I feel like I've been. You know, like somebody does something to me. Wrong. It's like, how could you do something like that to me? How could you act in this way? So that. That's my biggest struggle. You know, it takes a lot of effort. And again, it's not pretending that you're just going to fix things overnight or as Chelsea Handler was sharing, that it's not going to take a lot of effort because there may be some real issues that need to be worked through. But the thing that's important to understand is that it absolutely can be done. And it's just a matter of setting your relationship up the right way. And then of course, taking step by step in the right direction until you get to exactly where you want to be. Listen to how this couple that restored their relationship explained how some of the challenges and the things that they worked with helped them grow. That was the beginning of the restoration of our relationship. We have been on an amazing journey. Along with this being the best time of, of my life, it's, it's the best time for our marriage. Um, our marriage, uh, not that we don't have struggles, we still do. Um, we're able to uh, uh, work through our problems. And I think what he shared is just really important. You know, it's not that things are perfect and that there are not going to be issues or challenges or things that need to be worked through together. But the reality is, is that you can figure out how to do that and continually grow together and both be better for it and benefit from, you know, the journey of really being able to do that. You know, it's like I tell my husband all the time, like we don't need to be issue and challenge free because oftentimes like that's not real. You know, that's when you're not addressing the issues that need to be addressed. So it's okay if we have issues, but what we do need is to be you know, imperfectly perfect. And that's just understanding that there are going to be challenges, but, you know, that we can set our relationship up to work through them, to learn from them, and to really allow our relationship to continually grow and be beneficial for both of us. And that's a possibility we all have today with our relationships, you know, really to set them up in this way and to focus 80% of our attention on ourselves like we were talking about earlier, and keeping our tank full, staying at that top part of the spiral, and then making sure we're having those more serious and high-level conversations with our partner, you know, at least once a month, talking about our dreams and all the other things that are really important to us, and also using our relationship as a tool personally to identify those areas that we may want to grow and improve in, and then actually ensuring that we are doing that. And finally, as we were just talking about, you know, really making certain that we have a way and a good way to resolve conflicts or disputes or challenges or things that just may come up on any given day in a relationship. So that's the possibility of today. And honestly, you know, today really is the day if your relationship is already working, then integrating these things and structuring it this way will just help it work even better and grow. And then, of course, this is also the path that you can follow if you want to improve your relationship because you currently just don't feel like it's working. 
That is the show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your day. Make certain you are at the right part of your spiral. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll catch up next week. And of course, live today better than yesterday. To learn more about making a change in your life, visit possibilityoftoday.com. Don't forget to like Sybil's Facebook page by clicking the Facebook icon on her Web Talk Radio profile page. You can also follow her on Twitter using the handle at Sybil Chavis. Thanks for listening this week. And remember to be entertained, be inspired, be informed. Thank <laughs> you.